Raja Pinks. You are listening to Behind the Lens. And yes, you are listening to Behind the Lens. Although today you're not listening on November the 28th, you're not listening to us live because we had a rather rude awakening here at the uh, Adrenaline Radio Station this morning when it turns out our website was hacked by quote unquote Islamic terrorists. Uh, the site has been, if anybody it tried earlier today to log on to the site to listen to us live, you know. This is a rebroadcast you're hearing now on Adrenaline. It will be up on Movie Shark Deblore later today, as well as regular scheduled podcast on iTunes tomorrow. Um, it came as a shock to everyone at Adrenaline. The IT guys are feverishly working to solve the problem and get the website up and working, not just for my program, but for everybody else. Um, my right-hand man, Brian Leon, Brian has his his uh, podcast later this afternoon, nothing in particular. Hopefully, he'll be able to go out live. Do you think? We don't know, do we, Brian? No, I'm, I'm waving my head at you as if they can see me also. Yes, as, as if they, uh, yes. But so, I, you know, if, you, if I sound a little testy this morning, I am a little testy. And, you know, this is unacceptable and it needs to stop in this world. I mean, you're hacking a radio station. Thank you so much. Um, you know, this is not how we connect and communicate in the world, which leads me to what the basic theme of today's show is. It's all about communication and connecting. Thanks to two wonderful guests. First, uh, at the quarter mark hour, we're going to have Greg Cappy. Greg is a former filmmaker. He's also a teacher. He teaches now teaches English as a second language and has this remarkable workshop coming up. And in this day and age... More than ever, communication and learning English and learning it, learning it effectively are very important. So hopefully Greg's going to have some insight for us. I know there's some press out there that really should probably take advantage of Greg's class and workshop. It's a one day at the uh, former Beverly Garland, now the Garland Hotel in, on Vineland in Studio City. One of my old haunts. I know it well. But very exciting. At the half hour mark, we have... The phenomenal Malcolm Carter filmmaker with the Connected Universe, one of the most fascinating and intelligent documentaries I have ever seen. It couldn't be out at a more opportune moment with uh, the success of Arrival, uh, Denny Villanueva and Eric Heiserer's uh, film Arrival, uh, which is about communicate interspecies communication and communicating as as humans. The Connected Universe fascinates in that it takes us down on breaks it down on a physics level uh, with quantum physics math and science to explain the connectivity and how everybody is part of everyone else we've all been hearing this through the star wars movies over the years the force the force the dark side the light side the midi-chlorians that run through each and everything in the universe well now we have a documentary that scientifically shows that to be correct. So I can't wait to talk to Malcolm. I am just thrilled, thrilled to have him as a guest. He's a, if you don't know who he is, he's also part of the NASA think tank. So get ready for what I hope will be some fascinating conversation. And I can't say the word fascinating enough when I'm talking about the connected universe uh, because I, it really enthralled me. And I watched it twice already, and I want to watch it again. Um, but in the interim, Brian is here. Brian is here. I gave you a great Star Wars lead in here, my friend. You did. You did give me a really good Star Wars intro. With the Force. And now we're going to hear how the Force is mathematically and scientifically explained, through quantum physics, explained. It exists, and it's here. And it's- science is proving it. That's that's right. But something else is is now here because what happened at 9:01 Pacific time, 12:01 Eastern time last night? We need to find him. All right. How many do I need? They are requesting a call sign. It's um Rogue. Rogue One. Oh, I love every time these I, I don't know the character's name yet and I'm not going to assume what the character. I mean, I there are some uh Big fans, bigger fans than I am, that can have already broken this movie apart, which I, I can't do. 
I'm going to watch it and then break it apart. As well, in like... Well, did, did you see the TV spot that launched last night? I did not see the TV <gasps> spot. Well, you will have to go to my website, MovieSharkDeBlore.com, because I have it on there. You do? I certainly do. I'm going to go ahead and check that out as soon as we're done with the program here. Because it is a very... It has features one of my favorite characters, and you know who that is. Obi-Wan Kenobi. No. Darth Vader, is in, Is he in it? You'll see. Oh, I can't wait. You'll hear, you'll see. You know, at uh, Disneyland, to, let, like, let's do the countdown first, and I'll tell you my story. Rogue One. Oh, well, oh, you, let the, you, you need a big build-up here. I do need a big build-up. Because it is now time for the Star Wars countdown it's a star wars count it's just not i don't want to get sued um star wars a rogue one just like you said 9 a.m or 9 p.m last night 901 901 last night there was multiple cries of agony as websites crashed as people lined up outside their cine, uh, cineplexes <laughs> it was a uh, it was a moment of rejoice of sadness of of great terror when rogue one finally released and you know i've been complaining I know you have every week for the past six weeks. I have been saying, where are my pre-sale tickets? Well, they announced them maybe on Friday that they're coming out today. Monday or last night. Last night. And Fandango crashed. Um, every every single website that could sell you a ticket crashed. crashed. There were people outside, their, like I said, their cinemas. They were purchasing tickets in advance. It is here. We are 17 days away oh. from Rogue One. Oh. 17 days away. That... I remember when we were 90. I remember when we were 80. Now we're 70. Yeah, you didn't really old. start paying attention until we got below 100. When it got below 100, <laughs> the excitement started to build up. And we've seen the car that they that they partnered yes, up with. Yes, the Nissan. We uh, I have not seen my toothpaste yet. So I'm still waiting Or the that. shaving cream. Or the shaving cream. But uh, Star uh, Rogue One's here. And, and um, Disneyland, like I, like I said, they used to have, uh, they have a meet and greet. With Star Wars characters, you can either meet Chewbacca mm-hmm. or uh, about a couple months ago was Kylo Ren. Well, they swapped out Kylo Ren and they placed in Darth Vader. Uh. So you can meet Darth Vader and it's an imposing character. Whoever is behind the mask at Darth Vader in Disney. It is Darth Vader. It is Darth Vader, actually. There is no one behind the mask. Well, it the, is Darth Vader. Anakin's behind the mask. But he is terrifying. He comes up to you and he invites you into the room. And he and uh, right away, I pledge my, my allegiance to the Empire. I, no way I was going to be a rebel scum in front of the... Uh, the most terrifying figure in the in the universe. So I took a photo with him and posted it on Facebook later on so you can see it. Oh, well, we must see that because then I'm going to have Lydia. I'm going to pull your photo and I'm going to have Lydia put it in the video of, of today's show. Okay, I'll send it to you so that way you can send it to Lydia. But yes. yeah, 17 days away. But yes, yes. Star Wars Episode Eight is 381 days away from us. So that one's closing in also. Oh. <gasps> Well, you know, I got, I got to ask you. You're the perfect person to ask. There's been a lot of discussion after an article came out in Variety over the weekend from Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Lucasfilm, because people have been saying, why are no women directing Star Wars? And she said, because they're just, you know, we're go- the guys seem to be more adept at it than women. Now, that's not to say we don't have fantastic female directors like Catherine Bigelow. Who could very easily, I think, handle a Star Wars or a Marvel film. But whether she'd want to do it, that's, that's entirely something else. <clears throat> but other people, including my colleague William Bibiani, Bibbs, to those that, of us that know him, Bibbs actually posted a really interesting commentary on, in his column in CraveOnline.com, who I don't think were hacked, so they're up and running. Um, opining about no women directing in the Star Wars universe. And I have to say, with all the, all the female-directed films I see, there are plenty of very, very talented female directors. But for the most part, the films and their storytelling, it doesn't have the vision that some of these male-driven action sci-fi films have. I'm not dissing female filmmakers. You know, we, Jane Clark, one of my favorite filmmakers, Dory Barton, you know, fabulous female filmmaker. Um, but there is, on the, on the whole, I think Kathleen Kennedy has a point about the female director directing a film, the magnitude, or the vision of a Star Wars or something in the Marvel Universe. 
What do you think about that, Brian, being the huge fan that you are of both franchises? I, I hate to use the term millennial, yes, but I'm going to just to make a point real quick. Okay. As a millennial who would be categorized in that in – uh, I hate the term, like I said. I don't mind who's directing it as far as gender goes. Right. If the person is qualified, if, I, if, if it's a first-time director taking on a big project, I'm not going to go in there with, with a closed mind. I've never seen a film either directed by by the newest Star Wars. I guess there's just one. Mm-hmm. But most Marvel movies, I'm starting to enjoy more. If had a female been directing it, I wouldn't have noticed because those movies are very... It's if they if they can deliver on the film. Do they have the vision? Can they deliver, execute, see a vision and then execute on that vision? And I, I, I think as a rule, a lot of the films that I have seen from female directors, you know, they don't have that edge or that vision that so many of the men bring to the sci-fi fantasy genre. I I would I the, the best person should get the job. Yeah. The most oh, absolutely. Qual- the most qualified person should get the position that that they're going for, not just based on gender right. or race or age. Uh I don't I don't I like like let's look at George Miller. Like the guy is in his 70s. Yeah. And he directed one of the greatest action films of all time. Yep. It has nothing to do with age, no. race, or, or or gender. It should be just whoever yeah. whoever has the best, uh, who's well-equipped to do it. And if a female, if someone were to be, direct a film that's a female in the future, like a Star Wars film, I, it would honestly change my, it would change 0% of how I feel oh, about Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's part of, because the, the discussion is, well... Kathleen Kennedy is wrong about why they haven't hired a female. Well, you know, I'm of the mind, the best person for the job. Exactly. And in looking at a good portion of female-directed films, I have not seen films that show that these women could have directed a film like that. And that is not to diss any female filmmaker because, you know, I champion and support them. As do I. But, you know, it's not a question of, as you said, not a question of gender, race, age, it's about who can do the job, who's the best person for the job. If if somebody that that's female wants to start doing sci-fi, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Because there's a ton of Star Wars films coming out. If they're doing canon, if they're doing canon films, films of uh, you know plots that have already been um, how do you call it? Like explored. Yeah. Because we're going back in time with this one. Mm-hmm. Get into get into directing a sci-fi film, yeah. And I and I get sometimes Hollywood's a little sexist, a little ageist. But if you're doing something that's that's great, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are. If you're doing something like the the world forgave, uh, there's there's I can name a ton of actors. I'm not going to that have had a second chance. So why can't someone have their first chance mm-hmm. at directing a film like this? I think absolutely. There should be a female that's that's qualified, not just thrown in there because she's female. Right. Qualifications. That's what mm-hmm. I want. Again, I, I was I'm one hundred percent okay with Ray being the 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 head of the franchise right oh, now. Oh yeah. And she's a woman, but did I I did not see that she I mean I, I knew she was a woman, but I didn't <laughs> see it as an issue until I saw all the backlash on the internet. And I started thinking like I didn't notice that this was a female character. I saw it as a strong character. Yeah. That's what I noticed. I noticed a strong character, not oh, it's a girl. No. It was it was a leader. Mm-hmm. She was fierce. She was and and yes, she's a woman. And that's awesome that I saw a little rays running around on Halloween this year. Yeah. But I had no issue with it. And I have no issue with with Fur- Furiosa being a strong yeah. female character in the Mad Max yeah. films. I had no issue with with you know Jennifer Lawrence's character Katniss mm-hmm. or you know Elsa from you know obviously that's an animation film but still that's a it's a character that didn't need romance to, to Right. And now we have Moana, another it, strong female. I have no issue with women being in power or being ahead if they're qualified to direct the film go ahead and put them in there do rogue two whatever we're doing well i think i think what could be the tipping point is ava duvernay who is currently doing a wrinkle in time i think that if anybody's going to make the jump into hyperspace of a female directing uh anything in the star wars franchise or the marvel cinematic universe I think it's going to be her. It's, I'm curious myself to see what happens with A Wrinkle in Time. It is one of my most beloved books of all time. And the last, and the telemovie that was done of it was really quite poor. So, but 
Okay, we have, we have now gabbed and, and kvetched about several things this morning. Terrorists and, <laughs> and directing sci-fi franchises. Well, the first, I mean, the Star Wars films are about terrorism. Well, and in a large sense, they are. So it all kind of came together. But now it's, things are going to really come together as we welcome the wonderful Greg Cappy. Hi, Greg. Hi, Debbie. How you doing? I am fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, you know having me share some uh, some stories with you today and talk a little bit. Well, I am thrilled to have you. As you know, as I have often said, and I said at the top of the show, but unfortunately, because we were ha- the radio station was actually hacked by terrorists early this morning, uh-huh. so we're not going out live. We're being recorded and will air later today. Okay, no problem. I hope you got that all squared away. Well, they're, really they're, scary. The IT guys are working on it. I, I, I don't. I'm glad nobody saw my face when the when the station owner came in and told me uh, what had Holy happened. Holy moly! What a morning. Well, what a way to get back from the Thanksgiving weekend. Huh? And apparently, you know, quote unquote, Islamic terrorists because of what was on what was actually replaced in place of the site. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, gosh, I can't top that. Uh, That's for sure. Well, no, but that's why what you do is also very, very important with your English Power Zone workshop that you're doing. And I've said this many times, and, uh, you know, there are many press that really could benefit from your workshop. Trust me. (laughs) Well, you know, I just feel like, um, especially in a city like, like Los Angeles, where we have millions of people who English isn't their first language, and they're kind of, um, in some ways, not necessarily being held down, but they could be doing so much more in their lives and sort of actualizing the things that they want to do if they could just simply speak better English. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we're focused on in that in, in English Power Zone is just helping people learn English, but in real-world immersion-type settings outside of classrooms, so they can feel like they're more a part of the community and they can become more of the part of the community and um, achieve their goals. Yeah, I mean, I have, I've been sitting in press conferences before, um, notably one years ago with Johnny Depp, and, and one of the press asked him a question, and her English was so bad, he actually said, I would love to answer your question, but I can't understand a word you said. <laughs> you know, there's, there's certain... Levels like if you're sort of just beginning to speak English, it can be very frightening to try to interact in the community at all. But but even on the other end, you have people who are maybe executives for companies who they speak pretty good English, but it's not quite perfect enough. They're reading or they're writing or they're communicating um, to maybe compete or to be able to communicate with with people sort of in a higher level so really anybody can learn even even we who english is our first language could could of course stand to speak and write better english oh always always of course. <laughs> so because you were also a teacher mm-hmm. are, are do you consider yourself an online grammar policeman no, <laughs> I, ha- I have to ask. <laughs> you know, my wife always makes fun of me because I can't go to a restaurant menu. If I see an apostrophe that's out of line or something, I've kind of stopped mentioning it because I'm sure it's annoying for other people. So um, actually, it's a really good question because I spent a lot of my life sort of micro thinking about things like that. But I've changed a lot recently. It's actually a, a bigger question than that is, is why are we worried about some, sometimes some of those small things? I mean, people should just be encouraged to communicate and just think about the bigger picture of what they're trying to say rather than, yeah, like, for example, my students. I'm not going to kill them over a little apostrophe that's wrong and be that kind of grammar police because I don't want to do anything that might inhibit their ability or their desire to tell a story. So I've come come done a 180 on, the, on, on being a grammar policeman for sure. <laughs> And I'm sure now, because you also teach at L.A. Valley College. Yes. And you actually were a filmmaker. You know, I I have made a movie. I made a movie called Shooting for Home. It was a documentary that we... On uh, Kevin Bradshaw. About Kevin Bradshaw, a famous, a sort of uh, not quite famous basketball player who still to this day holds the record for... um, scoring the most points ever in a Division I um, college basketball game. And the reason that story kind of spoke to me was it had really nothing to do with basketball. It was um, 
it was really about the tra- his human transformation um, of a guy, a, a black guy in rural Florida who really just felt like the world was racist against him and he was racist against them and he was sort of angry and on drugs and all the usual sort of stories that go along with these athlete stories sometimes, the whole, mm-hmm. the whole cliche. And he disappeared for 20 or 30 years. Everybody thought he was dead, including myself. And he shows up in Israel, of all places, living in a kibbutz. And he had met this woman, an Israeli <laughs> woman, and literally beca- became um, an Israeli person, a citizen there, and was in the military there, and uh, became the first black uh, professional basketball coach that that country had ever seen. So it was really the human transformation of this guy falling in love and, and how he was able to really find redemption through his love of this woman. Um, and basketball really just became sort of a B story. wasn't really important at all. Mm-hmm. So now I have to ask you, because of the very, of the very times that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. Kevin's story and shooting for home is really very timely even today. I think especially today about overcoming that chip on your shoulder and, and form and forming a life and you know and taking charge. You know, sure, where sure. can people find shooting for home? Is it still is it available today? Sure, shooting for home is available um, on Amazon. You can buy it, but I, I, it's also on the internet now for free if you just want to download it and watch it. I sort of like figured I want I want as many people to see this great story as possible and I'm not trying to make a million dollars selling a little video. I'd just rather get people you know, as an artist guy, I want people to see the film and and hopefully, you know, have a have a response to it. And so yes, it's on um it's on a Vim it's on Vimeo and you just really have to go to the shooting for home Facebook page. And you'll see a link right there to, to click. You can click on it and watch the movie for free. Oh, and I guarantee you, my my lovely sound man here, my right hand, Brian, he is the king <laughs> of digital downloads. He, he, I guarantee he's nodding his head in the booth. He's going to be downloading the movie. I guarantee you he will be downloading your movie, Greg. <laughs> You know what? I encourage everybody to download it and watch it. And it's like, I, you know, that was a mistake I made, sort of a lesson I learned as a uh, a filmmaker, a first-time filmmaker, is I felt like my material was so precious and I, I had to be secretive about it. I just didn't want people to know what we were doing and I had to sell it as this product. But really, um, I changed a lot during the course of the, the of the production of the film. I just felt like, what are we, what's the, why are we making this movie? We're making this movie because we want people to see it and we want people to see this story. And it's not Star Wars. We're not going to make millions of dollars and that's not our goal anyway. We're just goals just to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So it's free. <laughs> it's free. And that, that's Brian's other key word. The smile is on his face. <laughs> but you know, it, yeah, it, Brian will enjoy it. <laughs> you know, but as, as we all learned in Legally Blonde 2, America. The land of free gift with purchase. And here you just get the free gift. That's it. That's it. Free gift with purchase. You got it. So but, yeah, you don't have to buy anything. Just go click on the, yeah, the Shooting for Home Facebook page is um, still up and running. And it's got some pretty cool links there for some of the festivals, you know, that we had some success at and links and where you can see the movie for free. So would you ever consider going back and making another documentary, especially given this workshop that you now do, compound on that, maybe a teaching or instructional video, or do you really prefer, you know, with the English Power Zone, that one-on-one, that human connection? That is a really, really good question. I would, in, in, in principle, I would love to make another documentary um, or a narrative film. The reality is, for my personality, I think my my talents are best utilized with me, like you said, interacting with directly with students or directly with people. Um, I have a hard time sitting still, and all the editing and the writing, and it's all great. <laughs> it's a great process, but I can't sit still long enough. I like to be up, moving around, working with people. So I think English Power Zone is a little more up my alley. Well. Now, for everybody that wants, because it is open to everybody, and it is this coming Saturday. It is. It's Saturday, December 3rd, from 9 a.m. to 5 o'clock in the afternoon at the Garland Hotel in North Hollywood. 
Um, it's 100% free. The workshop is actually called Learn English for Work. It's, it is what it is, Learn mm-hmm. English for Work. And um, you just have to go to, you do have to register. It's um, EnglishPowerZone.com. It's free registration. There's no, there are no weird catches or upsells or anything strange. You just click on it and, you know, give your, you know, just so we know who's coming and how many to expect. And um, so far, a lot of people have been um, interested in it. So really looking forward to this Saturday. I went on the website to check it out. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's a very straight, easy, straightforward website. So yep. even if your English skills are not the best, you can you will be able to navigate very yep. easily to register for the for the workshop. And you picked a really wonderful location. I have great love for the former Beverly Garland Howard Johnsons. Yes, and I spent many I spent many times up uh, many long hot summer days out by that pool way back in the nineties when it was a Holiday Inn or it was a Howard Johnson. And um, they've really done a great job renovating the hotel and. I know those guys a little bit, and so they really helped me out. And many, many thanks to Jessica there at the hotel for helping me out and to um, you know get a really nice room. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to a gr- to a good event. Yeah, I mean they they've always when Beverly Garland was still alive and and she owned it, and she would come down because I was there all the time in the eighties. That was my local hangout uh, <laughs> in the valley, and it was also for many of, of the stuntmen's association. That's where they would hang out as well. And uh, really, you know, nice people then. And I've been up there recently doing interviews that have been up there. And they have done a beautiful job renovating. They have. And they've, you know, much credit to those guys for um, working with me on this. It's the first time that I'm doing this event. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just um, they're excited about me coming. And I'm excited about 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 going there. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's um, called Learn English for Work. And, People can learn all different ways to um, find jobs that might be suitable for them or how to interview or if you have a job, maybe customers, how to be do well, with, improve your customer service or get along with your coworkers or your bosses. So we're going to touch on all kinds of subjects. See, now, now that you mentioned, you know, learn how to interview, I think you need to do a seminar on how potential people, you know, how, how you can learn to interview to work on a film. How you can learn to interview to get your door, get your foot in the door of Disney or Warner's or, or Paramount. You know, that's a tough one. If people can figure that one out, it's like, <laughs> I, I know that <laughs> there are no degrees required. Nobody is, and I, I worked as a location manager on films and TV for, for many years before I even got it, got back into teaching English like this. And um, nobody ever asked me my, where I graduated from or what my degree was. They just wanted to know what I show up and be a good worker and have a, have good energy. So um, there's no simple method for how to get a job working on a crew, as you probably know. No, because I did production for a number of years, and it was just like, uh, yeah, so-and-so referred you. Okay, fine. Can you show up? Are you available? How long can you work? You know, do you mind working 17 hours, going out to the <laughs> desert? No. Okay, I'm there. Yeah, they didn't care about my, my credentials or my no. training or anything. No, but if you keep saying yes, then doing a good job, they're going to keep calling you. But that's not to say, do not go get that training in education. <laughs> you really need to. And I have to tell you, when we were making Shooting for Home, there was a many, many, many pe- people congratulate me or they, they say tell me that they love the movie. And it, it's not a, it's really, it's really not a cliche. I mean, it, it's four or ten sort of Mount Rushmore of crew members that, that movie isn't isn't what it is without those people helping the editor, the Chris Showerman and Christian Krieger, and some of the you know associate producer guys that were just there every step of the way. And it's like they were just um, always said yes and showed up on time and just, were just uh, eager to help and make a good product. Oh, uh, well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, Greg. This has been wonderful, and I do hope everybody, you know. English, you know, EnglishPowerZone.com. I mean, this it sounds like an exciting workshop and seminar that, like you said earlier, everybody can benefit from. Yeah, it is, and, and we're excited about it, and um, everybody can gain something from it. And, hey, it's free, so what, what, what's wrong with that? And um, we could all stand to sort of learn some of those job skills and learn a little bit more English. But I really appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Oh, and I hope you let me know how the, how the workshop goes, because... I want to see you do more of these and have you back on the show. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'll keep you posted for sure. And just um, thanks again for uh, having me on to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Bye-bye. All right. Well, bye-bye. Talk to you later then. Bye-bye. Bye.
And that was Greg Cappy, EnglishPowerZone.com, free workshop this Saturday at the Garland Hotel on Vineland in Studio City, North Hollywood. And now, we have him on the line. Yes, Brian? Brian, I don't know what Brian is doing. But I am, I think I am now bringing Malcolm Carter on live with me. Yes, hello. Hello there. I have been so anxious to talk to you. Welcome, welcome to Behind the Lens. Thank you. I'm very uh, privileged to be here. I'm looking forward to speaking with you as well. Oh, I am beyond privileged to have you. This documentary, I've already seen it twice. Awesome. I am just blown away, and it is so nice to know that all those Time Life books, I got the same ones. I am so glad to see somebody else loved them as much as I did. <laughs> well, you know, it is, it's a beautiful thing how inspiration continues to pass on and seeing those, uh, what you're referring to is I, I sent you uh, in my bio information when I was young, I got these little time life books about uh, astronauts and the, and the Apollo missions, and I was so inspired and moved and it's incredible to fast forward and realize, you know, to work with NASA and astronauts and to be spending the last 15,000 hours of my life exploring the connections of the universe and how everything is interconnected. It's been a really wonderful and deeply inspiring journey, and I'm so happy to finally have the film out and to be able to share some of those understandings with the world. I mean, I think my mouth was open the entire time watching the film because not only is it beautiful, but everything is broken down so that, you know, the average individual, a lay person, you don't need to be a quantum physicist, you know, like Nassim Haramin, in order to understand the principles that you're talking about here. As I, I was talking to uh, Brian at the top of the show, and I was saying, you know, we've heard in Star Wars for all these years about, you know, the, the force and that everything is connected and there's dark and there's light. And what you essentially do with the connected universe is you break this all down mathematically, scientifically, and through quantum physics and prove what Nassim does is prove what we've been seeing unfold on film for years. And thank, thank you for saying that and for appreciating that because that has actually been why we put so much effort into the to the film to it was really really critical for me for this not to be just some erudite explanation for a small group of physicists to understand the importance of the advances to me it was really critical that everybody uh, could understand and we worked and worked to try to shape that in fact one moment that made me incredibly happy is after working a ton of time on the explanation for the for the black hole. Mm-hmm. I skyped with my ten year old nephew and some of his friends and gave them a gave them a little quiz afterwards of the section and they understood all the concepts and so I'm like if I can get it to the point that it could be understood by ten year olds, then we're really on the right uh, track to help make it accessible for people because I think everyone can benefit from understanding these principles and these ideas. And as you pointed out, you do not have to be a quantum physicist. There is no test afterwards. But what is possible is to be able to take some of these understandings with you in your life and change the way that you see the world and interact with the world and the way that you experience it. Well, you know, you have a very definite structure to the documentary, and you started out with the theories that, and hearing Sir Patrick Stewart narrate this is just glorious, glorious. <laughs> you could listen and not watch to Sir Pat, but you know, you start out with the with the theory that we are more connected than anyone ever thought, but it it can yeah. all be broken down to a mathematical equation. Yet, the more connected we are, the more disconnected we are, and you address, you know. The idea of what the media puts out there and what we are drawn to, the worst aspects of humanity. And then you start breaking things down with Nassim's explanations. You know, we get more and more and more of his work 
integrated into the into the film. But we start seeing how how we connect with the world, with the universe, changes our own inner experiences. And if we connect more positively, it will change our experiences and hopefully minimize the fear and the worst aspects that everybody seems to showcase. Well, I think uh, thank you for uh, thank you for that, and I think that we are in a very important time right now, where it's important to that a positive narrative has a chance to come forward. I think there's a lot of people right now in the world that are experiencing some anxiety and some stress over how the future might be unfolding and that it's very important to keep in mind i think that the timing for this message of understanding about unity and about connection and about our similarities and the capabilities that we have to lift each other up and to work positively together i think there that this is a very very timely and important message and i hope as many people as possible get a chance to uh, experience the film and to reflect on on what they can do in their own life and in their own way to try and help li- not only understand it but to but to live that to live some of the principles in the film Mm-hmm. Now, how did you go about designing your narrative through line here, Malcolm? Because you take us back, all the way back to Einstein, you touch on his unified field theory in addition to his theory of relativity. And from there, you go in, you talk about Tesla, you talk about Niels Bohr, you know, everybody and everyone out there that has gone through this in junior high and high school, those names are going to start ringing little bells in your head as you hear them again. Um, and it's, but it is so cogent and so cohesive at how you've broken out this timeline for us. Well, thank you. I'm again, one of the things that we mentioned in the film that I'm really, really excited about is some of the greatest minds in our history. They, they have had insights and understandings into, into these things and into the, into the connection of things. Leonardo da Vinci said, you know, understand that everything is connected, learn how to see, and that in their time, they were capable of talking to a few students, and, you know, after the invention of the, you know, way back in Socrates and Plato time, they had a small group of students. After the printing press, you know, more things could be done, and da Vinci encoded work into his into his paintings and into his work that showed he was far advanced in his thinking and more so than he even expressed at his time. But right now we live in a time where we can share these messages with everyone. And I think it's really important that that people from all over the world can benefit from these understandings of what some of these people have brought forward and that Nassim is part of the evolution of of these ideas, and and this work continues to advance. I I became incredibly fascinated when uh, in my work with some of my my uh, real world space projects and studying of Einstein, mm-hmm. that Einstein felt that his greatest work was undone, and that he 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 worked until the day he died, basically trying to uh, discover a, a field a uh, unified. Theory of physics, and that if we could know that, what it would mean to humanity. And so it's very exciting to share these advances and to share the importance of the journey and to recognize it's a journey that we're still on. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot more understanding to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that, that uh, people all over the world can get this. And in fact, I have to say a huge thank you to the more than you know 3,700 people who made our film the highest crowdfunded film in documentary uh, yeah. history on Indiegogo, and that there were more than a hundred people from 100 different countries um, helping to bring this message forward. So, what an honor to 
do a movie about connection and to have people from a hundred different com- uh, countries helping to connect to make it possible. I mean, this this is this is for all of them as well. So now, when did you when did you know or decide you that okay this was this was a story that needed to be told and that you were the man to tell it? Well. I had, uh, in 2007, I pitched a show to the Discovery Channel about the search for unified physics after what I had uh, discovered about um, Einstein's, well, discovered, that I had had learned Einstein had been um, doing this for a long time. But when I I really started to delve more deeply into his work, I thought that it was an incredibly fascinating journey to pursue, and I wanted to see who was working on these ideas, but at the time, there was no Act Three in the film mm-hmm. side. There was no breakthrough. There was no big advance. There was it would have the third act would be the search continues, which didn't feel like a compelling enough story. But I continued to follow it and continued to work because in my humanitarian work that I've done for several decades, I have seen some of the best of humanity and unfortunately some of the worst and whenever i've seen the worst it's always been you know in physics you try and find the underlying principles the, mm-hmm. the causes of, of things and if you really dig down to every example that i've seen of the worst of humanity it's always based on fear and disconnection me against the world us against them i can do whatever i want to you as long as i'm getting what i need um these principles that exist in humanity uh, unfortunately don't bring out the best. And yet I have met extraordinary people on this planet doing wonderful and incredible things. And if you look at their thought process, it's really on love and connection. You know, we're, we're doing this together. They think about ideas bigger than themselves. They recognize how we can, you know, advance collectively and not just individually. It's fascinating to me the misunderstandings that people have taken from Darwin's work where they talk about survival of the fittest, and yet in his work there was more uh, discussion of symbiotic relationships and how nature is interconnected and works together, and uh, whole systems collaborate to support other systems. And I think that is the message that has been lost in the modern world, and there's too much focus on individual and not enough focus on what we're capable of doing collectively. And I think that ties in with something very key that, that you bring out uh, in, in the film is that we need to experience nature and life from an experiential place and then apply the math and science to understand it. I think it's critical. And it's, and, and, go ahead. <laughs> and, sorry. And another one of the big connections that we want to make in the connected universe is, um, and and thank you for your nice comments about the cinematography and the way in which the film is presented. It's been uh, fantastic to see the incredible response we've gotten around the globe about how you know people describe it as beautiful and poetic and cinematic, um, in, and. That was very much on on purpose in the standpoint that one of the big connections we want to make is to connect the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. I think that this it's important that this material isn't just understood intellectually. It's actually even more important that it's felt. Because I think if you can both feel it and intellectualize it, it will really help increase your understanding of it, and it will really help increase the possibilities of people finding ways to implement it in their own life. Mm-hmm. Well, now, speaking of the visuals, these gorgeous visuals in this film, how did you decide, how did you and your, and your cinematographer, uh, Seppi uh, Dabberger, how did you decide what to shoot and then the editing process involved in putting this together in terms of the cohesiveness of your timeline? <clears throat> Well, that that has been a very adventurous uh, process. We <clears throat> it was really important to me to have um, you know to do more long lens <clears throat> excuse me long lens cinematography where we have different things in focus and not so that we can 
be really helping bring things forward and create a softness to it. And in conjunction with the music in the film, the music by Daryl Bennett is really critical as well in terms of establishing a feeling for it. What we wanted to do, I, I used to uh, be head of production for Tony Robbins doing his, you know, his giant uh, $20 million events. And mm -hmm. so in things like that, there were people from 55 countries. And one of the things that I took away from there is that film has an incredible power because if you don't, if you can, if you not only rely on the words, but if you can communicate visually the concepts that people can understand it at a deeper level, it's capable of translating, you know, across age barriers, across ethnic barriers, across language barriers. And so we really wanted the language of cinema to be able to speak to people's hearts and to speak to the understanding that they had. So the patterning of the imagery, the, the motion, the, uh, when we did animations to reflect the quantum world and the cosmological, we wanted to, you know, use a color palette that would be, um, that would be pleasing, that we could find a way to make the connections for people visually so that they could feel them and that they could transcend some of the language barriers because we're already in 110 countries in, you know, in the first three weeks of the film being out. Wow. Um, we're already in more than half the countries in the world and we're, we're doing our very best to translate. We've got currently 12 language translations underway. Mm -hmm. Um, but we really wanted to in the film, bring those ideas across so that they would be language independent. Well, and, and I'm glad that you, as you're describing this, I'm thinking immediately as Nassim is talking about surfing and the waves and the discussion is about the vortex of a wave and we're seeing the wave so that you understand what the vortex is. Um, you know, as you're talking about, you know, looking at, at things as, you know, standing water in a sink so it looks like just a sheet, and that's what we see. You do an incredible job of giving us the visuals to understand the principles behind uh, behind the theories being talked about. Thank, thank you. I, I appreciate that because it's so important, and we, we you know we really spent an unbelievable amount of time um, trying to do that because I think the challenge with with uh, some of these ideas is that. We don't want people to have to be an expert to be able to understand how important these ideas are. Mm -hmm. We want them to be able to just, you know, uh, go to Vimeo, click on the link, and be able to watch and experience uh, experience it. And, you know, for young people, too, how amazing is it to grow up with these understandings? I mean, I'm really... Uh, it's been exciting to see the response from millennials who... Um, have been looking at the film and 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 uh, and reacting to it and sharing some you know really amazing comments like best doc I've ever seen and uh, and things like that because I think it's a great gift to be able to go forward and live your life being able to understand the beauty of the connections that are all around you. Well, and what a great gift for any any high school kids out there to watch this documentary. They can go in and dazzle their professor, their teachers, and professors. <laughs> well, I, I hope that 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 happens too. Because it's uh, it's all a uh, it's it's all part of it. We're all connected, and the more people that understand the message, the more it gets shared. And I think the the I really believe in a hopeful future for humanity. Like we really do live in an incredibly exciting time. We have never had more capacity in our history to share our best practices with each other. So although the um, connection of social media and phones can be disconnecting for people in terms of them shrinking back into their own world and just you know only having digital connections and not having the 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 personal connections. We really encourage people to make sure to be pursuing those personal connections and their connection to nature. But the the capacity that that the technological connection gives us to share our best ideas is incredible. I mean, mm -hmm. it, 
it really is an exciting time for humanity that uh, you know one person has a brilliant idea or solves a problem, and we can share it with the world like never before. So I have you. You mentioned Daryl Bennett and the score, which is absolutely it is lovely beyond lovely. Did you have discussions with Daryl about the kind of emotional beats you wanted to hit with the score, or did you just let him look and listen to what you had put together in terms of visual and narrative and come up with something? Because looking at your visuals, I can just imagine what was running through his head melodically. Well, Daryl is a very, very talented man, and I'm, he has two Grammy nominations. He's uh, incredibly gifted person. He's a drummer. He's a cellist. He understands music is in every fiber of his being. And uh, we have been fortunate that uh, we've worked together for a long time. He, he and I worked, I did a lot of work for mental health and addiction and suicide prevention and for uh, work that it was very important for the emotional connections to be made. So he was absolutely my my choice. I did I did go down and meet with uh, in Hans Zimmer's studio and uh, and met some incredible incredible people there. Hans Zimmer has always been a dream. Uh, <laughs> I, as a film fan who's seen over three thousand movies, I absolutely adore the music of Hans Zimmer and Thomas Newman. Um, and Howard Shore and other people who really can mm-hmm. evoke a lot of emotion. But the great thing with Daryl is that um, we have a working relationship and understanding um, how we can create together and what we can create together. So Daryl, uh, in addition to his musical talents, he also uh, edits. Um, so we really had integration in the film in terms of um, he was helping with the editing. And so in our discussions, we would be discussing all the layers, not only the visual layer, but the story layer, the structural mm-hmm. layer, the musical components, the things that we were trying to draw out. So uh, we, because we're both very multifaceted, it, it really helped bring a cohesion to the project. And I think that people can feel that when they watch it. And Daryl is a a deeply talented person. I, I'm thrilled to have him, um, you know, commit so much time to this project because it was way bigger than <laughs> it was way bigger <laughs> than he signed on for. <laughs> well, and I think that the collaborative collective efforts of yourself, of Nassim, of Seppi, of Daryl, I think you are the epitome of one of the very big messages of the film that the dynamic energy of universe flows through all of us, connecting us to everything because we are a part of everything. Yes. The, the whole cinematic spirit, uh, spirit within which you made this, this documentary is the embodiment of the theories and philosophies that you're, that you're well, showing us. Thank you. And we, I'm, I'm really grateful for every, every person who helped out in every way because in a task as large as this one, there's been there's been many ways that people have showed up in the way that they could, whether it was contributing to the crowdfunding, whether it was hosting us as we traveled to different locations around the world, whether it was somebody taking us to a secret spot so we could get some amazing shots that, you know, were off the beaten path. Um, there were so many ways that different people stepped up and you know of course you know the amount of time spent with uh, Nassim and and the uh you know the the sharing of of the work at a at a deep level mm-hmm. it's it's really been an honor to bring this forward and i hope that uh and i i i'm very thrilled to see the response that that people are having to to the movie because um that, that's why we created it. We created the movie to move people, to inspire them, to give them a new way to see the world, to explore and understand um, these journeys in science and to, and to show that as you make connections, new opportunities open. Mm-hmm. And 
that happens in every area of, of the life. That can happen as a as a parent, as a as an employee, as a boss, as an entrepreneur, as a scientist, as a biologist, as a physicist. When you can start to look at the big picture and you start to see the connection of things, new solutions reveal themselves, and you know new businesses create themselves. I mean, Uber and Airbnb are making a connection between people who need to make some extra money and people who want to want a different experience. And by mm-hmm. connecting those two, they they build big companies. Um, Steve Jobs said, "Create creativity is connection." He took a functional box and connected his love of design and uh, calligraphy and merged those two and built one of the biggest companies in the world. So this movie isn't just a esoteric, touchy-feely, metaphysical movie. It's a movie that can really help people make some profound connections in their life. And it's hopefully, it's not only the information in the movie, but the questions in the movie Mm -hmm. that move people to make a whole bunch of new understandings for themselves. Well... Malcolm, I can't thank you enough. This has been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show today. I do hope you will come back on again. I could talk to you for hours about this doc. Thank you so much. I would be, I would love to uh, come back again because as, as you know, it it takes a little bit of time to get these messages out into the world. Oh, absolutely. And we'll drag you into the studio next time. I hope so. I, I look forward to it. I'm sorry that in this instance I came back to Vancouver for some important meetings and couldn't be with you in person. But well, uh, I, I do look forward to the next time and where we can where we can do it together. And thank you for sharing with your audience these messages. Oh. And, you know, if people want to see and experience the film, they can go to Vimeo on Demand and mm-hmm. and uh, see it there, or go to theconnecteduniversefilm.com and find the link to buy or rent the film. And this is truly a film for the entire world, The Connected Universe. Malcolm, thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on. It's great to be in amazing hands. I know that you have have been doing this work for a long time, (laughs) and uh, I thank you for, you know, bringing all these uh, beautiful films and and connecting people to... uh, to uh, all different uh, joys of cinema and helping helping to share that as a cinemaphile who absolutely loves 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 movies, uh, I appreciate everything you do as well. Oh, thank you, Malcolm. Thank all you. All the best. Have an amazing day. You too. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Bye bye. And and that was the incredible. Uh, humanitarian filmmaker, documentarian, Malcolm Carter, talking about the Connected Universe. Go to theconnecteduniversefilm.com and find out how you can see it, too. It truly is a documentary for the world. It is amazing. So, Brian, what do we have? A minute and a half left, huh? So we don't have time to do any any clips today. No, but we can play some PCAs if you'd like why don't we take a quick break and hear about who we're going to hear about crazy bitches too, I think. And then we'll be right back. It's time to get crazy with Crazy Bitches 2. That's right. The team behind Crazy Bitches is back and needs your help to bring Crazy Bitches 2 to life. You can back the film and do your holiday shopping at the same time thanks to fun swag and exciting opportunities that will ship just in time to put under or on your tree. Christmas ornaments turn deadly when mommies behave badly and someone can't take it anymore. So go crazy. Join the Crazy Bee Nation and go to the Indiegogo campaign at igg.me backslash at backslash Crazy BS2. Crazy Bee Nation. Crazy Bitches 2. And we are back. But that is all the time we have today. Next week, very excited. Chris Cardone is coming back to talk about Stevie D again. It is now it now has a theatrical release. So Chris is back with us, and we're going to have Chris Boone and Julia Flores talking about a wonderful little indie gem called Sense. So until then, hopefully the hack on the Adrenaline Radio website gets fixed. 
Hopefully, Brian can get online to get his tickets for Rogue One, and there are no more internet hacks, crashes, or anything. Until next week, this is Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias.